Two sisters, two ways. Hi, I'm Raquel. And I'm Sarita. Parallel Ways is a podcast of sisters sharing insights into their millennial lives. Welcome back, folks. Can you believe it? This is episode 10 of the podcast. Are you waiting for a response? Yes. It's crazy. What's funny is I've been hanging out with friends and they'll say, oh, yeah, you mentioned XYZ in your podcast. And I'm like, "Mm, you are listening to it. (laughs) Yeah, it's cool that we have people listening to the podcast. And we just wanted to take a few minutes to thank everyone who has been listening and engages with us and follows us on Instagram. It really means a lot to us to know that we're not just talking in a silo in this room. We're talking to other people and you guys are enjoying our content and the podcast so far. Well, I've had a couple of friends tell me, oh, I feel like I'm in the room with you and your sister. Not like talking, but I feel like I'm there. I've heard that too. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm like, that's great. That's awesome. I'm so glad. Yeah. So this podcast is about our lives as millennials and we share our insights about these different aspects of our lives. And As millennials, that means that we grew up in the 90s and early 2000s. Can I cut you off right there? Did you see what was going on about Gen Z hating on millennials? Okay, first of all, that has been happening for a while, (laughs) so I don't know where you have been. (laughs) I told you I don't have TikTok, so I'm not with it. But I did put on skinny jeans the other day and I was like, So there's this TikTok trend that because all of the Gen Z Zers were hating on millennials, that millennials are speaking back with TikTok and they said, oh, you may wear your center part and your flared jeans, but can you do this? And then they're like at a liquor store or popping open a bottle of wine because Gen Zers aren't 21 for the most part. Like just now, if you were born in 2000, you're turning 21 this year. That's crazy. That's crazy. That's nuts when I think about it. It's crazy. So then you have all these millennials speaking back and saying, I'm going to wear my side part and I'm going to wear my skinny jeans and I'm going to drink this bottle of wine. (laughs) (laughs) On a weekday. On a weekday. Since we are millennials and we grew up in the 90s and 2000s, I thought it would be fun for our icebreaker today to talk about some things from our childhood and see if you remember them and how you used or engaged with these things. So. The first one is, do you remember word art on Microsoft Word? Like where it would have like block letters in different colors? Some of them were different colors. Some of them were just like different shades and some were 3D. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we used that anytime there was like a, maybe like a report you had to do. I'm trying to think. Yeah, like reports, like projects, like if you were doing the trifold, you know, in your title. I did that all the time. I was obsessed with a capital O with that word art. I loved it. I don't think I shared those same sentiments. I don't think I was as obsessed. You know what I was obsessed with? AOL Instant Messenger. I Uh got on that thing religiously after school, saw who was online, started sending messages. I like don't remember even what was so great about it. Maybe that you can communicate without having to call someone. That's true. And you didn't have to go through like awkwardly call and be like, hi, is uh, Raquel of it there? Is Raquel home? Uh, Yeah. Who is this? Uh, It's Sarita. Okay. Hold one minute. And then they would jump on. Yeah. Okay. Does Discman ring a bell? Like a CD player? Yeah. The CD player. Yes. I'm pretty sure you had one, right? Did you? I definitely had one. I always played like Linkin Park on it. (laughs) Linkin Park, please. Like. 
roared through my headphones. <laughs> yeah, you had those like you know like the cheap ones that go over the yeah. ear, and they were small, not like the ones we're wearing and now. And they're not noise canceling. Yeah, at they're all. not noise canceling. They like slide off your head. And I just remember anytime we were in the car in the back of the van, the discman would like skip a beat. Oh yeah, yeah. If you went up on the <laughs> yeah. But remember what we used to do all the time with the CD player with the discman, just with like CDs and cassettes. Remember what you used to do with cassettes. You mean uh, record? Yeah, we used to record songs off the radio. Oh, yeah. And, <laughs> and we would listen to it. Try again. to make like a mashup on a cassette. And then in high school, the big thing was you would download songs onto CDs and then you would give it to your friends. That was like oh, yeah, for their cool birthday. Here's a, a mix, a yeah. birthday mix. That was always a thing to do. You would create a birthday mix for your friends. So I was reading this article. I don't know if something like a BuzzFeed article. And they said, here are things that Gen Zers could not relate to or do not know. And one of the pictures was a cassette tape and they had a pencil through like the hole in the middle. <laughs> and they said, it was like a quiz. And it said, what is the purpose of this? Right. <laughs> and of course I click on it. It's like to rewind the cassette tape. <laughs> just use your finger and just keep or, going. Yeah. Or the finger. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the next one is Tamagotchi. You might've had a real Tamagotchi. I had a knockoff one. No. You didn't have a real one? You had the Tamagotchi. That purple one was yeah, a Tamagotchi? Yeah, that was a Tamagotchi. Oh, I thought I had a knockoff Tamagotchi. So Tamagotchi is like the the animal that you take care of on the little keychain, and you would have to feed it. And It's like a digital screen. Yeah, a digital there's screen. There's like four buttons on it, and there's an animal. I think I had a dog or something. And you would have to like feed the dog, clean up its poop. And I remember one time I let mine go for a while, and it was just like... I don't remember who got it for us. I think it was like one of our cousins, but... We got it, I think, for Christmas. You got the Tamagotchi and I got the Nano Pet, which oh, is like yes. the competitor. And it was like a whole big rage thing. And teachers didn't want you to bring it. Like we weren't allowed to bring it to school. But I was like, I'm doing such a good job of taking care of my dog. I can't just leave it at home and then have a whole bunch of poop sitting there when I get home. And then, you know, it might die. So I remember I would keep it in my pocket. <laughs> and then in class, I would like push the buttons and feed it. Because I didn't want it to die or clean up the poop. So, oh, my God. I yeah. didn't do that. I left no, mine. No, you left. Once school came back up, you left it at home I and you let it die. I neglected it. Yeah, you let it die. Completely got neglected. Yeah, terrible. You're a terrible pet mom. Man, I wish I still had that. I would totally play with it. Yeah, oh, it kind of came back. I don't know if it's still a big thing with, like, young kids now, but it kind of came back for a little bit. Like, Tamagotchi, they were sold at Target really? a couple of years ago. Really? Yeah. Okay, do you remember Y2K? Okay. Was it a game? No. It's just the year. Yes. Okay. It was leading up to the year 2000, and there were concerns that the whole world was going to reset, that computers wouldn't know how to handle the year 2000. And I think We might were, not survive. We needed to have, like, food at home. Yeah. People were in a panic. It was, like, not even as bad as the pandemic where <laughs> people were, like, rocking pallets of toilet paper. But people were a little bit of yeah. panic. But I think a lot of people were like, it's not going to happen. Yeah. I remember in school, we had those like Newsweek articles. Yes. And uh, I remember reading a Newsweek article on the front was like, how to prepare for Y2K. <laughs> and we like learned what people were talking about. Yeah. And what could potentially happen. And then 2000 came. I remember New Year's came and it was like, nothing has changed. <laughs> You know what I wonder in school, if they still teach people about like the Dewey Decimal System and how to look up books in libraries. Oh, no, absolutely not. <laughs> like, do you remember in like fifth grade, fourth grade, you'd have to go to the library and they would teach you how to like find books. But then I also remember the internet was starting. 
So they would teach you how to like search for things on the internet. It was that strange place where you still had to know both things. Yeah. I don't think they have to do that. But I will say for my doctorate, I went to the library, like the third and fourth floor, and I found books by myself. And thank goodness I was taught that when I was little, or else I wouldn't ever go to the library and look for these books. All right. The last thing that I have is a chalk holder. Do you remember like the chalk for the chalkboard? It was in the holder. And remember teachers would have like, it holds like four or five chalk and then they would spread it across the board and they would have lines and they would write on the line. When you said chalk holder, I thought like somewhere where you just hold the chalk, but what you're talking about. It did hold the chalk. No, no, no. Like where it would just rest. But you're talking about, it's like a hand and then you have the chalk here and here and here. And then if you wanted to do like music notes, you would just scratch it across. But it was the chalk holder. You could lean it up against the chalkboard and then pick it off and then write on it. Oh. So it was the chalk holder, but teachers would use it for like lines. Oh, I thought it was just like a cup. Or music notes or whatever. Remember those? <sighs> yeah. But who uses the chalkboard these days? So. Ah, so dusty. All right. Well, there we go. So let's get into today's episode. We're going to talk about making friends as adults. I think this was a topic that you came up with. Do you remember how this came about? We were brainstorming topics, and this is what I came up with. (laughs) Well, it resonated with me because I think about most of the time when we make friends, it's really as children, and we're in school, and it's a very controlled environment. Maybe if you do sports, you're making friends that way as well. But now that we're adults, we're out of school, I've heard people talk about how difficult it is to make friends as adults. So I thought we could maybe talk about that. And I think the reason why people think it's difficult is because There's no structure or environment that's forcing you to like socialize with people. As adults, we have pretty much like work. Uh, If you go and work out at a gym, maybe you're making friends that way. But there's just all these different like levels of friendships. But I don't know if you've heard that same thing from your friends. Yes, I've heard the same thing. I was thinking about, okay, people in their 30s, because I have heard a lot of people say, how do you make friends as an adult? It's hard, especially if you went to college in one place or grew up in one city and then you moved to a different city because you got a job. Well, I don't know that I would say it's hard to make friends, but if you're talking about meaningful friendships, I think it can be hard. I don't think it's that hard to have casual friends. I think for some people it can be hard. Oh, well. It's just wherever you are on that spectrum, right? Friends, they then can become meaningful friends and it can be difficult. Yeah, so I guess it depends on how social you are. So at what stage in life did you develop the majority of your friendships? I think about my close friends now. I say the majority of them come from college. I don't really have that many childhood friends that I still keep in contact with now. Do you think it's because we moved away? I think that's part of it. I've always thought when I was in college and you're still in contact with people from high school and they would go home for the summer, right? And us going home was going home in Arizona. And so we had friends that we made in college, but we also didn't get to see our friends from high school. So I always felt like we were kind of in limbo of neither here nor there because our college friendships weren't that established yet. Yeah, I would say that the majority of my friendships were formed as an adult. Like I'm still in contact with some people from high school, some people from undergrad, but I would say my 20s was when I formed my current friendships. Yeah. So when I say friendship as an adult, I mean in college. Yeah. So ours is a little bit different. You're you're talking about post-grad, right? And I'm talking about, I feel like the majority of my close friends came from college. Oh. Yeah. 
I have a lot of different groups. I'll have friends from my old company, friends at my new company, friends that I work out with. I do some civic leadership stuff, so I have a group of friends from that. So I have a lot of different like pockets of friends. Yeah. And I would say I have different pockets too, but those pockets formed in college, a lot of them. I would say now, like, you know, I'm part of some organizations or I'm involved in different ways. And I've met friends through that too. I have work friends and then I have college friends. So why do you think making friends as adults is hard? Besides the environment, we've kind of touched on, you don't have a structured environment like school, but now work has kind of replaced that structured environment. But I think there's some hesitation sometimes with, do I really want to be personal friends with someone from work or do I want to keep work separate? That's like a hesitation I think some people might feel. I think it can be, but I don't think, at least in my experience, I don't think people consciously go into a work environment and say, I'm not going to be friends with people. But I think if you form a friendship at work, you always talk about things in the context of work that I don't necessarily think about hanging out with this person outside of work, if that makes sense. Explain. There could be someone at work that I get along with. We talk every day. We talk about what's happening in our lives. But I never take it a step farther to say, oh, hey, let's hang out or do this on the weekend. Wait, so you have no friends no, I work. No, work I that do. You hang out with I, outside. I, I do. I do have work friends, but I'm just saying initially, oh. you're just kind of in that work zone and you're not thinking about hanging out with someone outside of that. And maybe that could also be the industry. I know some industries is like you want to hang out with people outside of a formal work setting to engage in conversations or business or transactions or whatever. Because it's more relationship based. Yeah. But back to what you were saying, I agree with you. When you're first becoming friendly with people at work, it's very much like, okay, there's this barrier of like work. Then it's like, is this person cool enough to hang out with outside of work? And then it's like, ah, they are. Okay. Now, how do I get their phone number? It's almost like dating. How do I get their phone number without sounding like a creeper? And is it mutual. In other words, does that person want to hang out with me outside of work? Because there are some people that just very closed off work is work. And then it's like, okay, if I forge a friendship now, I've got their number, I'm going to engage. Now, is it weird if things change at work or like the dynamic, like if it's uh, someone you report to, does that dynamic change? Or even if it's like a peer and let's say someone gets promoted, is that awkward or weird? So there is this kind of like a I say it's similar to online dating because it does feel kind of awkward to kind of initiate that next step. Yeah. I think an easy excuse for people if they want to start engaging with coworkers outside of the work setting is they often look at commonality, right? So, oh, you like to golf? Oh, let's go golfing this weekend. That's like a very easy way yes, you for find people to something. start doing. Yeah, commonality. So for me, it's usually sarcasm. If someone's sarcastic at work, I'm usually like drawn right to them. And I'm like, you think this is BS too. Let's go get a drink. Let's go hang out. And I feel like for me, I started hanging out with people outside of work. It starts with like birthdays. Like they invite you to their birthday? Yeah. Oh, I'm having a a get together for my birthday. Ah, so you don't ask for phone numbers. You wait for them to invite you to their birthday. Yeah. Or if there's like an activity because of commonality. So you're like the passive relationship person. Not You're I'm the, the one that's like, you come to me. Here's the funny thing. So you can get insight to how we play on these podcasts. So Serpy will usually take the first stab at making an outline and then I add to it. So we're both kind of prepared with how the conversation is going to go. And I don't know how many times in this outline <laughs> I saw initiation or initiate and what's important to me. 
people who initiate, okay? Not everyone needs to be an initiator in friendship. Yeah, some people are lazy. I get it. No, it's yeah. not. It's, but it's not even because they're lazy. I will say once I realize that we're on the same page and we have a friendship, I'm more inclined to take initiative. But at the beginning, like with coworkers, like how you're assessing, ooh, is this person cool? Do they have sarcasm? I may think all of those things, but I'm not necessarily the one to initiate. So question then, you're not initiating, but when you find someone that you vibe with, are you like, yeah, I want to be friends with that person. I'm going to go after it. Not necessarily, no. Isn't that what you call initiating? Yeah, so that's what I'm trying to get at. You don't feel compelled to feel that way. If I really like someone, I'm going to ask them for their phone number, be a little creepy. But a lot of people will say, Sarita, I appreciate that about you because it takes the pressure off of me. And I think that's how most people feel and maybe why it can be hard to make friends is that most people are not initiators. Or maybe the people that are saying that is because they're not initiators and they're kind of waiting for someone to initiate. Well, why do you think it's hard to make friendships then as adults? I think it's because... Maybe a lot of people just don't have people skills to know how to make friends. And I think when you're an adult, you may employ some of those things you did as a kid, but if it doesn't come naturally to you, you have to think about it and you feel awkward and it's easier to not commit and say, oh, I have work or, oh, I'm just going to do that. Like it's easy for you to also bow out. So you're not following through with like commitments. And if you're scared, you're never going to say yes. You always come up with an excuse. That's something that frustrates me, commitment with friendships and how you're throwing a shindig. People are like, I'll do my best to come. And for me, it's like, no, you're either free on that day and you're coming or you clearly don't want to come and you just don't have the balls enough to give me an excuse. Give me one or the other. But I would say like a lot of my friends know that that's something about me and there's a definitive yes or no. But when people say like, I'll do my best, I'll try, I'll look at my schedule, that commitment just like frustrates me. Maybe people don't want new friends. Maybe I'm always looking for new friends because I love to expand that sphere, but maybe people don't want to make friends. Yeah, I would definitely say that there are people who don't actively seek it. Yeah. So if it comes along and if someone is making an effort, they may enjoy it and like it and engage with it but it's never their intent to go and look for a new friend so that might also explain some people and their behaviors because they could be like I wasn't really looking for one yeah I have a friend and one of the things she used to always tell me is uh yeah my best friends la 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 my best friend from college and I'm thinking here I am your friend extremely loyal I come to all your kids events I'm really active in your life and you are constantly living in the past at a time when you were close with these girls and they don't live near you, you don't stay in contact with them as much as you do with me. And it almost like made me feel like it diminished like the friendship. And I was like, why am I putting all this effort into developing this new relationship when you constantly are going back to what you previously had with these other girls? Right. And not looking what's right in front of you. Yeah. So then I was like, okay, maybe I need to reevaluate where I'm putting my energy because I don't want to feel like that dud. Again, it's like dating. I don't want to feel like it's a one-sided relationship and I'm the one putting all the effort into it. Why don't you share some stories of how you develop some of your adult friendships? I just watched your eyes there (laughs) and it looked like your mind went blank. One time I went to a Yelp Elite event. We've talked about how I'm part of Yelp Elite. And what I love about Yelp is that people just engage with each other and have small talk and you all share something for your love of food. And there was this one girl who we got to talking, we were talking about boba and ranking the best boba places in the valley. 
And she ranked her boba shops the same way that I ranked mine. So I said, okay, she definitely knows quality boba. And we were talking about different things and our conversation just flowed really easily. And this was the first time that I met her. So usually at these events, you engage in conversations, you have a great time and you've heard me tell you, oh my gosh, I had so much fun at this event. And then you leave the event and you go on your merry way. And then it's not until you go to the next event, you meet a different group of people. And sometimes as you go to more events, you start recognizing more faces. So I've gone to events and I've had people come up to me and was like, hey, how are you? I saw you at that last event, etc. I remember leaving that night and I said, oh, I really like this girl. Maybe I'll see her at another Yelp event. But that was like the first time I had met her. So I didn't feel comfortable going and asking for her number. You and didn't go it, follow her on Instagram or look for her on no, Facebook? No, I didn't know her name. What kind maybe, of stalker are you? Maybe I followed her on Yelp. Somehow I followed her. I found her on Yelp because um, when you go to the events, you can put your reviews on there. I think I saw her name and I saw her picture and I was like, oh, that's her. And I followed her. But then it was maybe a couple events later, I saw her again. And I remember between that time, I said, if I ever see this girl again, I want to hang out with her and we can go somewhere and eat or grab a boba or something because I thought she was really cool. So I saw her at this event and we were talking, we sat with each other. And then I remember at the end, I was like, oh, have you ever gone to this boba place? Oh, no, no, no. I left that event and still did not get her number. I remember I did not get her number. And I remember driving home, kicking myself like, oh, I should have just asked her for a number. So I went on Yelp. I found her profile again. And I messaged her on Yelp. And I said, hey, it was great seeing you again. Let me know if you want to grab boba and we can try this new place together. And she responded and said, oh, yeah, for sure. And we met up like a week later. And we grabbed boba. And then now we like text each other and try to coordinate events together and stuff like that. So that's like one of the few examples, at least recently, that I thought of where I initiated. Because usually I'm not like that. <laughs> you look so proud of yourself right now. I am so proud of myself. Again, it's like online dating. She reciprocated. Yeah. And I think that was one of the signs that I felt good about it is that I messaged her and then she reciprocated. And it wasn't just like, yeah, it was great seeing you. Yeah, we should do it sometime. It was, yeah, that would be great. Let me know when you're free. So she gave that permission to now message me back. Instead of saying that would be great, because sometimes that's generic and you don't really know yeah. what someone's intentions are. But she's like, yeah, let me know. Okay, I'm going to let you continue to glow in that initiating story because you look so proud of yourself. Okay, tell me about an adult friendship that you formed that was not through work. I did a civic leadership program here in the state. And this program is mostly geared towards folks that work for state agencies. So think about Arizona Motor Division, Family Services the governor's office. Completely out of my wheelhouse, but my friend and I were going to apply to be in the civic leadership program together. He bowed out and I had to do it on my own. And I said, okay, well, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. So I applied and I got in. So I go in on day one and it's like, I'm the new kid on the block because I'm one of the few people that come from the private sector. Also, I know nothing at this point about state level politics. Um, I'm not that acquainted with the agencies and how everything works together and how the state runs. So I'm definitely the new kid on the block. Everyone else seems to kind of like know people. So I think it was maybe the first session and we broke for lunch. Everyone's eating in the courtyard and you grab your box lunch. And it's like, again, the first day of school, you got to figure out which lunch table you're going to sit at. I see this table of young adults that look like I could kind of jive in there, but there's no seats at the table. So I do what Serena does best. I went inside. <laughs> 
and I grabbed one of those like, you know, just chairs that are set up in the auditorium. And I've got my box in the other hand and I'm dragging this chair out. You know, it's like squeaking along the floor. So everyone turns <laughs> and it's very clear that I'm headed towards this table. The facilities person rums out and is like, ma'am, ma'am, you can't bring that chair out here. You, you, you've got to use one of the other ones. And I was like, yeah, but there's no seats at the table I want to sit at. And he's like, well, I can pull over one of the patio chairs and bring it to that table. And I was like, oh, okay. So he takes the chair back in and, you know, he's just pissed. And meanwhile, everyone in the courtyard is looking at me <laughs> and he grabs the chair from a, another table and puts it at the pack table. And I literally wedge my way in and I was like, hey, guys, way to make an entrance, right? <laughs> and that table is full of people that I'm still friends with today from the civic leadership program. So I'm just really not shy and I'm very uh, targeted when I want to be friends with you. It's very obvious. And since that program has ended, I've coordinated dinners with this group of people. We haven't seen each other as of late, but we all bonded off of that first experience of me dragging that chair out. Yeah. And I know you've told me this story before, but as you were telling it now, if I was in that situation, I would go to the table that had space, even though they may look like people I wouldn't get along with or would want to connect with because I would be too afraid to go up to the people that I would want to if the table was full. I definitely wouldn't do that. Like <laughs> that gives me anxiety. If you were to tell me like before, go and do this. If you want to, like, I want you to sit at this table that's full, but I want you to make an entrance. Oh, I would freak out. It just comes natural to me though. I understand that. I do a lot of things that people would probably say from a friend perspective where it's like, ooh, there's boundaries. But people are like, oh, it's Sarita. We'll make an exception for her. Yeah, she she knows no boundaries. <laughs> that was a fun story. So I'm sure that while you do take initiative and you will put yourself out there, sometimes it doesn't always pay off. So why don't you tell me about a time where you tried to be friends with someone and it didn't go in your favor? Oh, man. I go into everything like really positively. And I just, I think the best of everyone. I also meet people and I think everyone's my age because I'm just that naive and confused. <laughs> so there was a gal that I met at a party. She's a friend of a friend and I really liked her. Vibes felt really great. So I got her number and we went out to dinner. And at dinner, she proceeds to tell me that her boyfriend is uncomfortable with her going out with people without him. And I was like, but I'm a girl. And she's like, yes, but he doesn't trust other people. And so in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, maybe her boyfriend doesn't like guys. And she's like, I especially can't hang out with guys when I'm not with my boyfriend. And after that meal, I was like, yep, not going to pursue an, a, a natural friendship with this person. And the reason was I knew that something like that would frustrate me so much that I wouldn't focus on a good friendship. I would just focus on telling her what she needs to do, which is get out of that relationship. <laughs> Now, she's married. <laughs> she married that person. And so we're just like acquaintances if we see each other at a party. But that's an example where I tried to initiate a friendship and I just knew it wasn't going to work out. Got it. Is that a strange thing to not be friends with someone because of their significant I'm other? I'm sure there are people that are listening to this and while that's pretty cutthroat or that's really judgmental of you to do that, in your defense, I think you know yourself well enough that it is true. That's something that would be frustrating to you. And it may have nothing to do with the person that you want to be friends with. But, you know, they always say you are friends with that person's spouse or that person's family when you become friends with them and to an extent. So good thing you bowed out before putting in all that time and effort and then having it not pay out in the end. 
So what's an example of a time where you tried to have a friendship and it did not work? I don't know if it didn't work out or if I'm still trying because I'm not as bold as you and put myself out there, but I'm part of a, a community service organization. And there's this girl that I met at an event and I saw her at another event and we talked, but I've never gotten to the point where I've asked her for her number, nor has she asked me for mine, but she's someone that I would like to be friends with. But you know, like COVID, no one's really seeing each other right now. So it's one of those things that's like, whatever, we'll see how it goes. That's so weird. That's so awkward. That's so, if you want something, get her number. Be like, hey, I saw this restaurant. I thought of you. Let's go get lunch. I know, but you can't really do that in these COVID times. Maybe when things start to clear up a little bit, I'll do that. But I have, you know, my previous example that I shared. So I know I'm capable of doing it, especially if I don't know someone that well, but they give me enough good vibes that I would be willing to take a chance and go out to dinner with them. Yeah. We'll see. But you know how we were talking about this reciprocation? I'm still trying to feel it out. I don't know if I'm getting anything in return. <laughs> there was a, another girl I met at a, a party and she just like initiated it. She was all about like, let's hang out. And I was like, absolutely like gung ho. So we hung out for a few months. I introduced her to other friends. And the relationship was just so surface level. Even when it wasn't surface level, it was like I just couldn't get on her page and she couldn't get on my page. And it's like as much as we both wanted to be friends, we just realized like difference in values, difference in thinking. And also ultimately, I think I kind of cut the friendship because it wasn't starting to feel like positive anymore. I feel like we've got so much going on in our lives that like friendships I know they take time and I know they take energy and you should put things into the relationships. But the minute it starts feeling like a chore, yeah, like a chore, then I'm like, oh, that's not good for either of us. I mean, we'll, we'll still be very cordial to each other, but we're not hanging out actively. And I think that's another thing. As an adult, you start to tailor who you hang out with. And sometimes you just realize you don't have any more space. Like once you start getting really involved in your career and you get married and you have a family and you're taking care of your elder parent, you know that your capacity is only so high for friendships. So you tend to lean on ones that you've had for a while or ones that just seem a little bit more organic in developing. So what hurdles do you think exist in developing new friendships? I would say proximity is one. It's hard to have a close friend when they live really far away. Yeah. Because the things that naturally come up that you might want to do, like I do uh, walks in the evening. Well, my friends that live really far, I'm not going to be able to see them and do those type of casual things with them. Everything's got to be a lot more planned out. So proximity is something when it comes to new relationships, new friendships, I think can only help if proximity is close. When I was in college and I was a student leader and I had to be the leader for the freshmen that lived in the residential halls. In our training, someone told us one time that you develop friendships in one of two ways, either by commonality or shared experiences. So if you think about your friends, you either have a lot in common with them or you've had a lot of shared experiences. So you may not be able to have like a lot in common with some people, but you've done so much together. And that's why a lot of people as an adult, they become friends with people that they work with because they have so many shared experiences with them. Yeah, that's probably true for my MBA friends. Like we went through this grueling two years together. Everyone saw each other after full days of work. 
And so you have this common experience and you're also aspiring for the same types of things. So there's like commonality in the values that we had. Right. And you can understand why from an education perspective, they have cohorts because they understand that happens organically. And not only do you become friends, but it's also a great support system and everyone is more successful overall. So for you, if you're trying to be friends with someone and you notice their significant other is difficult, does that impact whether or not you'll pursue a new friendship? I feel like for me, I can delineate being friends with the person versus being friends with the couple. So there are some people that I only know them. So I just look at my friendship with them. They may be married, their significant other may be someone that I don't really know really well, or I don't get really good vibes from. But then I just make sure that when I'm interacting with them, I'm just interacting with them and not their spouse. So the answer would be no. Yeah, I don't think it would bother me. But if I was friends with someone and they were insistent on having their significant other with them all the time, and then over time, I'm like, you know, I'm not really a huge fan of them, then I may be a little bit more distant in terms of like how often I hang out with them, knowing that I'm going to hang out with them. See, but what I'm trying to get at is that relationship informs you about that person. So if you're trying to be newly friends with someone and they can only hang out with you with their spouse, that tells me that homegirl is not independent. Homegirl's got no friends on her own and that's that's a challenge for me. I agree. See, if you give me certain circumstances, I'd be like, yeah, it's not worth it for me to put my time in that if she only wants to hang out with her spouse. And it's like, but I met you independently and I want to hang out with you. Yeah, I would have red flags too. How do you feel about establishing relationships with people of the opposite sex? New friendships. New friendships. It's not something that I actively do. I don't even know how I would make friends now of the opposite sex unless it was at work. So I have friends that are guys, but I've been friends with them since college. So those are existing friendships. And then I have friendships from my coworkers that are male. But would you have problems or think it's weird if you were to establish a new friendship with a man? No. If it was at work, no. I think it would be weirder if it was outside of work. But if it was at work, no. I don't think it's weird. Well, like the new friends that I was talking about through my civic leadership program were men. Yeah. So that's outside of work. Oh. I mean, something that's organized like that, like an organization, I don't think it's weird. I don't have any issues with making new friends of the opposite sex. My thing is the comfort of your significant other. So like when I had these new friends, I made sure that P met them. P meets them, more comfortable around them. Sometimes I hang out with them independently of P. Sometimes P is there. But I have no issues. But I feel like I have a lot of friends who are married that would tell me, ooh, that's not really appropriate. Oh, yeah. Brian and I talk about it. So we know each other's friends that are of the opposite sex. I mean, just to sum it up, I wouldn't put a strict rule on it like, no, I'm not going to be friends with guys. But I just know that I don't tend to meet guys randomly and become friends with them. They're either through work or they're through my friend's spouse. Well, or duh, that's obvious. Yeah. I'm just saying, do you think it's okay to make, now that oh, you're married, to yeah. make friends of the opposite sex? Yeah. I'm all about cultivating new relationships. I'm all about managing my old relationships and watching those evolve. Why do you think we put so much emphasis on friendships that we had when we were younger? Like, I don't know, maybe in high school. What do you define that? What do you mean about putting value on it? Okay, so like I'm thinking about some of your high school friends. Do you really talk to them as much as you do some of your other friends right now? 
No. But you still invited them to your wedding. Yeah. Why is that? Well, because I still talk to them. I still know what's happening in their lives. So you don't put more of a weight. I just feel like sometimes we put so I much of a weight. I think people put a weight on it just because of the time. Like people want longevity in their relationships. Or people value longevity. Oh, I've been friends with someone since I was five, right? It, it assumes the depth and the quality of that friendship. See, I don't look at longevity of a friendship. I mean, if that's there, there's history behind it. But I look for like the meaningfulness of the friendship. Well, yeah, I hope you would. And I hope other people would too. But you also don't know other people's friendships from many years ago to even know that value either, right? You just assume based off of what you know about it. Maybe you don't know as much about those friendships. And to you, you just feel that way. So to wrap up here, tell me what role does friendship play in your lives? And what importance or value do you have to it? That's like a very general question. Are we talking about new friendships? Because this No, I'm just talking about the role of friendships in general. Like think about your life of the pie and you dedicate a third of it to work. You dedicate another third of it to family. And you can dedicate the rest of it to hobbies, to friendships. Like how big of the pie is friendship to you? I would say it's a very large percentage. And I think for me, I need a sense of community and connectedness. Some people can just have their significant other and their kids and be happy with their lives. I need to have like a community around me, like know that there's support, feel that support. So I'm very proactive with reaching out to people because that is important to me. So when you say, what kind of role do they play in my life? Anytime there are major decisions, I pull in friends. Anytime I've got questions, I don't know. Well, some people might just say, well, I have friends because if I want things to do with, there are people that I can call upon. There are people that talk about friends like, I only have a few friends, but they are my everything. I talk to them about all aspects of my life. They're my confidant. Like, I just want to know when someone looks at your life, how will they know how much you value your friends? Oh, all my friends listening now know that I value them because I would either put you in that sphere or I just won't talk to you. (laughs) So it's very clear. And so as a friend of yours, if I know that I'm in your sphere, I know that I mean something to you in your life. Yes, that if you had an issue, I would fly across the country and no doubt be there. That's just me. I throw a lot of energy into it. I know not a lot of people throw a lot of energy into it. I do have a close knit group of friends and then I have like a sphere. I don't know. How would you answer it for me? So overall, you would say that friendships mean a lot to you. They play a big role in your life. And it's this like big complex ball of all of the different dynamics that you have within your relationships with your friends. Yes. Let's just say this. When I get married next year, one of the things I am most excited about is to have all of my family come together, but all of my friends to come together because for the past seven years that I've been with P. I have slowly integrated and introduced different groups of friends to different people. So people will come to my wedding and actually know people from other friend groups that I have. Yeah. And friendships probably mean a lot to you as well because you like being social. So like you seek people and to learn about them and to see if you can develop a relationship with that. And because maybe you put yourself out there and you're more of an initiator, you see that come back to you in terms of how many friends you have and numerous relationships that you have at varying levels. 
to wrap up here, I just want to share something that I've read a couple of years ago. So there's this nurse who, in her work, asked people who were dying if they had any regrets in life. And she published a book about the top five regrets that people mentioned. One of those regrets was that people wish that they had stayed in contact with their friends. So in our conversation about friendships being hard to develop as adults, and that being one of the top five regrets that people had in their lifetime, how does that make you think about as you move forward in your life and you become busier, how you will think about friendships? I've always made a very active effort to really cultivate my friendships. And I think it's because in my 20s, I went through a breakup. And I had been with my boyfriend since college and pretty much had neglected all of my college friends, didn't make new friends in my early 20s. And because of that experience, I very much value friendships because I had no friends at a very difficult time in my life. And I have to say a lot of my friends who have gotten married and had kids, like I get it, people's lives are busy. But I had this friend once tell me, we've got work and family and our personal relationships. So that just leaves very little room for friends. And I'm actually no longer friends with this gal because I realized that was a load of BS. She was making an excuse for not wanting to be my friend rather than just telling me straight up, I don't have time for you. The effort that you want to put into me, I can't reciprocate. And for a couple of years, we lingered in our friendship, but it was like I would just get hurt left and right because she would come into town and not tell me. There would be big milestone events in her life and she wouldn't tell me. And I thought to myself, like, what's this all for? So I guess going back to it, Staying in touch with my friends, people wonder why it's so personal to me and why I command so much. It's because I know in the end that I've went through difficult times and I wanted friends to be there for me. And that's why I'm such a good friend and why I command that back. Yeah. I had always thought that when I grow up and I have kids that my family is number one, right? Like you always put them first and you prioritize that. And I think it's because that's what we saw growing up with mom and dad. Like we were always put first even before their own well-being or their social lives. And so I felt like in order to raise a good family, that's what I would need to do. But now that I'm older and I have friends that are starting families or that have families, I see how they balance me as a friend. And I'm like, wow, they can do that. They can have a great family and they can have a friendship with me. And I think it made me believe that you can have it all and that it's actually healthy to have friends in your life and to not make an excuse later on in life to say, well, life just got to me and I'm so consumed with my family. Because like you were mentioning, when you were in that relationship in college, you put all of your eggs in that basket for all of your friendships. And the same thing can happen in your life of like your friendships then become your family, which your family is your family. And sometimes you need more than that. And that's okay. And that's normal. So for me, I'm like, oh, I don't need to just put my friends to the wayside. Not that I was going to do that. But I think in your head, that's how you just imagine life just happens to you. And that's just what happens. And you accept it as opposed to like actively making an effort. And especially in this day and age, even if you do have a friend that's across the country, you can FaceTime with them, you can text them. So there's so many ways that you can still keep in touch with people and still be friends, even if you are really busy. Completely agree. Well, that's a wrap for this week's episode. Thanks so much for joining us and be sure to follow, rate, and review the podcast. 
Also, don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Parallel Ways. And join us next week as we discuss wellness, especially as we age. Toodles. Toodles.